Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mastering the Storm, a Heroes of the Storm podcast on the Anchor.fm platform. I'm your host, LDAP, and I'm joined by... Wizzletron, what's up, everybody? Another week, another week of WoW. <laughs> Less so for me. Yeah. Now that rating started, I you can't. Play, you, you've been doing a good job balancing. Me, not so good. But uh, there's a reason. So, like, for me, I'm one of those people that, like, you know, when I'm, I'm trying to get, like, I'm playing one hero in World of Warcraft right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to get all the reputations done. Uh, and I getting, see. You know, yeah. But I do have good news. This week, last week, we did the um, normal raid with my group. And mm-hmm. it was like we had about 12 people, 13 people. And we did the first four bosses. Um, about everybody's week, story. We, <laughs> but it took us two days to do. We did like three on the first day, and then one on the on the. I assume that uh, was Vectus on Thursday. Uh, yeah, Vectus. We did Vectus. Yeah, I got. Well, we didn't do Vectus. Uh, well, Vectus was hard. We didn't yeah, exactly. complete it last week. But this week we did five bosses on Tuesday night. Oh, there we did you go. the first four, and then we did, Ve- and then we finished off with Vectus on our last pool. So we won. So. <laughs> so, so my only caveat for raiding, unless that's what, like the thing you like to do. Um, is you can get gear from so many different sources now that raiding feels like so much of a time sink that it's really not fun. Like, I did a couple yeah. of, like, arenas and BGs, like, raided Battlegrounds and stuff, and I got, like, three to four pieces of gear, like, 350 plus. So I was like, mm-hmm. this is, like, why would I spend four hours to get, like, you know, four bosses done and maybe one piece of gear where you could do, like, a mythic in, like, 20 minutes or whatever and, like, guarantee yeah. a lot more. Yeah, I do think the mythics offer... Early in this expansion, they're offering the best way to get gear quickly. Yeah. The, you know, that. The uh, minimum effective dose, I guess you call it. Right. <laughs> and I think they're the, some of the more challenging things, especially like last week we did Mythic Plus for the first time. Yeah, I haven't you know, done it yet um, either, but that's just what I was thinking about. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like the, tr- the last week's, was it Sanguine or whatever the, the, the first uh, the effects was? Oh my God! It was just making the trash so hard. the bosses just fell really? over, but the trash was like. And right now, mythics not hard for my group. We can just right. walk through mythics. Just face roll. But yeah, well, I wouldn't say face roll. So, like usually, the last boss there's a bit of mechanics too. Yeah. If I've never done it, sometimes I have a little bit of position position issue. But man, with that Apex last week, oh my God, we were just the trash was horrendous and that's half the bat. That's like three quarters of the battle in a mythic plus is getting through the trash. The boss is usually you're expecting a bit of a fight. You know? Right. So, yeah, so it was definitely an eye opener, but I did get up to 350 item level. Um, this week I got a couple of good drops in the raid. Nice. So and what's your average do, eye level? I, just to baseline it. 350. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, um, I probably get up to uh, 352, 353 this week. You know, with because um, I'm finishing up some Exalta reps, and we're probably going to be doing some Mythic pluses. Also, don't forget that um, this week is um, uh, the the weekly or the they have like a cycling uh, thing the, each the week. And this, yeah, well, no, well, there's the Warfront for the Horde. Um, yeah, you guys get a second boss on the Alliance, but um, all of a sudden this became a World of Warcraft podcast. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but um. No, but there's like a weekly uh, quest or a ch- uh, chest, and you can get a heroic piece of gear if you run four mythics. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the yeah. F- run four mythics chest, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got that. So, I don't know if I'll do it because I did, most of my p- friends are not online. <laughs> 
Got server transfer and come aboard. We'll, we'll, we'll walk I'm leveling in. a horde currently right now. We just me and my buddy uh-huh. started leveling one. So yeah. getting prepared well, we to, to be allied raced eventually, so I can play Zandalari. I was seeing bags from uh, what's it? Uh, the Troll Network. He's yeah. um, he plays a hunter. So I saw him and we've been chatting a bit. And I was like, you know, hey, if you need a healer, and I was like, you know, how you find uh, Hotsy's like, no man, I haven't been playing. <laughs> so yeah. it's like. I really want to play, play Hunter because they seem really strong right now. And not even just the ones that got nerfed. I want to play Survival, honestly. It seems like a lot of fun right now. Yeah. A good friend of mine, she plays uh, Hunter, and, you know, she's really good. So, and she's, I think she's Beastmaster, though. But, yeah. Um, Beastmaster is the best yeah. right now. But uh, yeah, but then you know the game's getting nerfed a lot. It feels like you know, yeah. it's funny. I watch, I read the, I read the patch notes for a while now. I'm thinking they don't know what nerfing is until you play Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, <laughs> really. Like, yeah, I know because you only see like five percent. It's very conservative tuning. Yeah. But yeah, so, it, it, I would say give it another week or two because me and my buddy started doing arenas now, so it's kind of like the priests and the warriors. You know, kind of the same, same old, same old as the tippy top of the world. Right. You, someone said you can get 360 eye level just doing twos yes. in Arena. So you know, the, they changed it um, a lot this year with how much like your rating d- defines what your gear you get for the week. So I think I can get like a 360 piece for this week since I'm 1400. And that's what they were saying is like you don't have to be you, you have to win, but you don't have to win a lot. So you know. they did. So they did change it so that the conquest points take a lot longer to accumulate. Unless you do other forms. So the first few games you do in twos or whatever um, are like 35 points. But then Mm -hmm. every consecutive win after that is about 10. Uh, And you have to get 500 for the week. But if if you do like threes, you get 35 consistently. And then if you do rated battlegrounds, you get 100 per win. Okay. So that's that's the, the, the hierarchy there. You can kind of imagine it. You do five RBGs yeah. and win, you get your stuff done in, you know, five games. <laughs> mm. Well, it's interesting. We did the warp, uh, the Horde finally unlocked the Warfront on right. sa- Sunday. And, um, you know, so I played through it with some friends. I got some, you know, Warforged upgrades. I got um, 370. So, yeah, so, yeah, so it definitely has some repeatability. Um, I guess it's on par with, like, LFR, you know? Yeah, the gear, I so. The gear, yeah, yeah. And I think it's the sweet spot they're shooting for is people who are you know, gearing up alts. And then today they put in the hot fix. So you have to be item level 320 in order to, to queue up for the warfront. So, Oh, really? Um, yeah. Interesting. So I think all roads from Blizzard are trying to lead you into mythic mythics and mythic plus eventually, you know, and they're trying to get you that gear, whether you, if you're a casual player, you're going to yeah. get, you're going to get an item level 340 eh, fairly quickly. And you know, from that, you know, normals, you know, is another way to get your gear. And the last thing I learned today was um, the uh, gear in the raid, there is a, um, there's like an ability, there's two abilities on your gear, your Azerite gear in the raid that synchronize and each week you get more powerful. So instead of nerfing oh, wow. the raid, they're making you a bit more powerful in the raid, but the it That's only affects you when you're in the raid. So the raid gear, is a little you know the Azure that's, a weird, that's a weird balance i would never have expected yeah. that yeah well yeah they do these things where they're trying to make it so that you get progressively more powerful like i said last week we were struggling on a boss 
Uh, we did four, but we were struggling on a boss. Today we did five boss. You know, yesterday we did five bosses. So and you know, so we're you know, like I said, I think it's you're progressively going to get more powerful. You know, just because you're going to keep leveling your Azerite. You know, right. And the, your game's slow. You're going to slowly uh, outpace the content. You know, within yeah. a few weeks. I thought it. Um, so the one thing I didn't know is that the mm-hmm. Azerite powers stack. I did not real. I thought it was you know one and done. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it stacks. Yeah. So, so that was one of the weird things I didn't realize. Like, I just didn't. I I read there like which ones are the best, but it didn't just click to me that you're supposed to stack them. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel a little icky about that because it's kind of lame. Mm-hmm. It's a little interactive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, like I said, I'm I'm kind of ebbing now to the point where I'm going to go back to heroes because um, my character is going to be in maintenance mode. I'm not. I'm just going right, to do my yeah. as requests, and so I can get back into doing my my three hero league matches per, per yeah. day. Or, and it's kind of where I'm at too. It's kind of like since arena's in full swing, I don't really need to worry about grinding as much unless mm-hmm. I want to build level alts. But those are just take time, so I'm not really like worried about it. Yeah. Next week's going to be kind of good because that's when we're going to probably get the sneak peek of what the season end is going to be like and, you know, if there's any new stuff coming, you know. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some... The, the next two weeks are going to probably be a little bit more exciting. Um, but, you know, it is where it is. You know, it's like, you know, I, I enjoy Heroes of the Storm and I miss it. And I I, I think, you know, it's one of these unconscious, subconscious self-imposed uh, exiles, you know. It wasn't conscious... <laughs> I didn't write my Dear John letter on Reddit this week to say, Dear John. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you know, so maybe I might make a big production coming back. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking but, actually um, we could do a uh, Duos of the Storm kind of resurrect it. Possibly. That sounds good. Because that would kind of lead into these podcasts a little bit better too. Because then we could talk about team-ups and stuff like that, especially with all the new heroes in the game now. Yeah, that so sounds good. I was looking through my YouTube channel. I was like, those are always so much fun. Even a quick match is fun to just do a duos of the storm because you can just kind of pick two heroes, party up, and you know, yeah, work yeah, on synergy. Maybe. Yeah, that's definitely something, uh, and I'd definitely be up for that. You know, so um, I, I, I love to be a YouTube star, <laughs> <laughs> especially for heroes of the storm because there's a huge market for it. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the ground floor. Yeah. <laughs> We're making it great again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to that... Cynicism you know, aside. La- yeah. So, last week, you know, we gave our listeners a two-hour episode. Not planned. It just... No. You know, we organic. really got... Yeah. But, I mean, you know, and I'm hoping that they just listen to this thing, you know, like in their commute to work or their workouts or, you know... All 10 of our listeners, active listeners, that is, yeah. So, but what was interesting is um, Jules Scott from Here's Hearth, she took a, she took some time out from just making her typical um, Here's the Strong podcast that week for Here's Hearth and kind of like gave her some of the insights of about creating, basically it's to content creators with love. You know, it's the mm-hmm. first part of it. And um, in this uh, article, she discusses like, you know, when she's talking to people about how long she's been doing podcasts, you know, they're surprised to see that she's been doing it for several years. And, you know, one of the things she's, you know, she's talks about her personal journey with regards to um, not being an expert, you know, and kind of in this iterative, iterative discovery mode. And, you know, uh, the first part she, you know, she talks about is that, you know, creating content is hard work. And, you know, 
I happen to agree with her that because of the way she creates her content, you know, with regards to trying to provide news, interviews, you know, and, and having really high production quality, you know, writing scripts and stuff, mm-hmm. I can see where she says creating the content is the hard work. And, I, you know, um, she says it takes 12 to 14 hours to produce an episode, you know, just to get that episode mm-hmm. figured out what's going to happen. And, you know, she doesn't complain about it. She just says, this is no, you know, this just, is just what it is. is. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it's like you and I, we spent about 10 minutes, you know, talking before the, sh- the well, show cast. Yeah, but, but you don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. Like, I've been playing games mm-hmm. here and there, thinking about it a lot, you know, come up with yeah. video. Like, even though it's not like real work time, I like it's in my brain and I, it stews there for many, many days. As I think about the kits and I think about this or I talk about it through my friends, you know, even though we're not mm-hmm. playing it, I still do a lot of like work, quote unquote. Um, and it's actually funny you bring this up because I actually just uh, there's a website called Creative Live that mm-hmm. does live classrooms. And they're t- actually this week currently is called Podcasting Week. So I bought it. And uh, basically it's, it's just general podcasting tips and tricks. So it's ironic okay. that this is here. Um, I haven't really been following it because I got work at school during the week and it's like normal eight hour uh, classroom sessions where it's like six or set, uh, three or four different like themed classrooms that they, someone in the podcasting world talks about how they do their thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But next week, once it's officially not live anymore, it'll be VOD for me. So I, I'll be able to talk about it more after next week. But I, it was, nice. it's kind of cool. Like, you know, they had like Tim Ferriss was like with the kickoff host for it. And he's going to do a couple episodes on it and stuff like that. So like people who are like professional podcasters, basically, uh, mm-hmm. if, if that's even like a thing. <laughs> well, I think it is a thing. I think kind of, you know, yeah. she's well, yeah. for, I guess for Tim Ferriss, it's different because he's he can yeah. charge like, extremely high amounts of money for CPM, whereas most people yeah. can't. Makes sense. <laughs> so. Yeah. And. You know, what was interesting is, you know, so I did respond to her post and said, hey, thanks. You know, I talked a little bit about us, you know, like, you know, um, I said, you know, as a I think one of the challenges being a hero storm podcaster is find that unique, fearless voice that's authentic. And it's interesting to the listener, you know, because we don't really get a lot of we don't get a lot of feedback. So really, we're just talking about the things we're passionate about. That's cool. Yeah. And hopefully we we connect with our audience eventually. Well, I I think I think it's just at the at one the, the very beginning. And I've been always at the very beginning for many things. Is it's just mm-hmm. about generating and content, right? And then creating mm-hmm. this content backlog that enough people can kind of they they at some point they get a they get a hold of it and they're like, oh, these have some really good points. And then they discover all of the rest of it, you know, the tr- mm-hmm. the long tail, so to speak. I don't know if you've heard that reference before. Um, and then they find all the rest of it, and then it just picks up steam from there. Because then there's like that one thing that just kind of you know puts you on the radar overall. And then people realize there's like this hidden gem out there that, you know, has been waiting there the whole time. Um, and then they, they realize it's a good resource and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of what it is. It's just kind of building his pool of content in general. Right. And like, you know, like I, what I said in our, in my response is like, you know, basically, yeah, right playing, <laughs> yeah we relied a bit on your YouTube content and mm-hmm. you're interested in mastery. That's been kind of your theme. You're trying oh, to yeah. learn how to master things. <laughs> and I said, and then we rely on my being a Heroes of the Storm moderator. Ooh. <laughs> and then, but, but more importantly, learning how to play the game or learn uh, the yeah. process of learning. I mean, the moderator is important though, because you have like this eagle's eye view of all the stuff that kind of floats in from the internet to be yeah. able to, to, 
to kind of shift sift through it a little bit easier than the the average person. Yeah, and so that's you know kind of like that's our unique take on it. You're yeah. con- you're producing content, and I'm kind of moderating content, you know, and mm-hmm. and learning how to play the game, which I think is you know that's very authentic. You know, that's the types of listeners we're trying to attract is those want to learn how to play the game or just connect with people learning how to play the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But then I said, you know, the challenge of, you know, to, to content creation is choosing the level of quality you want to produce for the time commitment and the audience size. Right. So I don't know what her listener base is, you know, but if it takes her 15 hours to produce a script and get interviews yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, that's a lot of time. You know, a that's a lot of time. Work. Yeah. And, but she's not complaining. She says, this is a passion yeah. project. So hey, it's cool. But I said right off the bat, you know, for us, you know, the first thing I looked at is how can I simplify the production, you know? And, you know, that's where the Anchor FM platform came in because it, you know, right. handled the distribution. How you even converted over to using Anchor for your other podcasts. Yeah, I so. mean, it's unparalleled. The the ease of, of distribution to every platform is just amazing with no paywall associated Mm-hmm. And they don't like yell at you for how big your file is or anything like that. There's a lot of things about Anchor that's um, surprising that I don't, I don't know if it'll continue that way forever. But for the time being, it's it's a very um, unique set like set point for basically removes that bar of entry even lower for for most people. Right. And like just like someone who sees something on Twitch or you know these other platforms, it's not a high barrier entry to create content. Mm-hmm. Now, can you create interesting content? If you go That's look at Twitch, you know there's <laughs> right there's like there's like ten there's like ten people that get all the views, and then there's like a gazillion people just streaming their right. match. Well, you know? I mean that's just <laughs> yeah. that's just the uh, Pareto principle eighty twenty. Like that's just what eighty twenty is all about. But that doesn't mean you can't beat. I think it's like 95, five. Well, yeah, you might be right. I mean, when you, when you look at people like Ninja and stuff like that, but, mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of one of those things you gotta, you gotta be not really honest with yourself, but mm-hmm. like you can't let what your current status or like look at the people that inspired you to do it in the first place and be like, you know, you let that get you down because one day or like, you know, before you even were considered doing this, they were, you know, you know, however many years ago, you know, three years ago, two years ago, whatever it was, you know, small potatoes, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you know, going on with that, I did say that, you know, uh, one, you know, one of the things like our first five episodes were pretty homogenized. You know, we were doing kind of yeah. like what else is doing, you know, go throughs. But we did take the unique spin. We did try to, you know, use Reddit as kind of the, the springboard for you know, our news and then, you know, use Reddit for the hero discussion. So that was kind of like our unique approach. I don't know if the Reddit admins still want to come on or not. I guess I got to invite it back. (laughs) Give them the invite first. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, really that was the, that was the show initially was trying to get a couple of Reddit admins to all talk with us, you know, just talk, you know, and bring people like you in that were content creators. But um, yeah, it flipped. You know, so the kind of, and I'm fine with that because you know people are busy. So, um, so yeah. So uh, you know, we were doing that homogenized thing, but then I felt like last week's episode we deep dived. You know, we went, we oh, like yeah. we went off script. We went, we really kind of we barely you know, talked about we, heroes. And we did. We talked about it. You know, hour number it. two. <laughs> we connected it, but we like it was loosely based around it. Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, we were talking about the thing about, you know, what is a pro, what is an amateur mastery? These are the things that really 
are things like I know I, I was able to talk about those things because they're very familiar to me. Right, it wasn't yeah. like I was fumbling over myself to talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, mastery and and there's there's aspects of learning how to play the game. And more importantly, we used, you know, um, Fan, you know, in his in his like kind of his witch hunt, you know, quote unquote. You know, to, you know, the kind of question, was that a Freudian slip? You know, I mean, was that like kind of him saying, I'm getting kind of tired of the game, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a different way? You know, the game's, you know, becoming a bit tiresome. There's, there's, it's not balanced or something like that. And, you know, yeah, we were stretching. I, I totally agree. But I like to see the connections and things and try to make connections. Right, yeah. It's not so much to, not so much to create controversy, but to see, like, to create synthesis, to create that, you know, um, something new, you know, something, a new approach, just like Malcolm Gladwell did when he was observing, you know, the, the you know, Elvis's performance. And, you know, here's a guy who's, you know, the top rock musician of all time, and he's having a problem performing. And that's where the connection to the fan was, you know, in Tempo Storm and, you know. Are we seeing those cracks in the in the facade? You know, Psalm leaving. You know, uh, these are all things that you know to these types of pros. It's affecting them. You know, and like I said, and then there's that game. You know, constantly changing. You know, it's like, is yeah, that you know, yeah. like I said, baseball, football, soccer. You know, real uh, things we call real sports. <laughs> the rules don't change except for when the new season begins and they add like a new like you know, you know, new roster player or something or roster itself changes. But you know the rules of the game don't necessarily right, change. Yeah. Just so the refereeing of the rules change a bit. Yeah, know, it's not like, like when you yeah. add a player, they bring a whole new set uh, skill set to the table, right? right. <laughs> um, this week in baseball, we're going to use a softball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to overtune the bats. Yeah. <laughs> like this player, you want to know his expertise is? He's a golfer. What? <laughs> you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, honestly, to build off of that, like just like kind of going back to what HGC was like over the weekend, um, mm-hmm. like watching Europe play again, and it's really just feel like kind of stagnant as not like from a meta standpoint, but just from a skill level, um, like area. It's just like, you know, Dignitas is number one, and then like everyone else is kind of like in the middle ish, and you know, it's just. Like, it, it just doesn't, it's not exciting anymore. Like, when, when teams, when some one team feels so far and above everyone else, it just feels like, eh, you know? Like, what are the what is the rest of the the, the world doing, kind of, like, I don't know. Um, I'm a little out of my depth talking about it, but it just, you know, it kind of just feels weird to, to well, the one it. piece of new, The one piece of news I know about uh, HCC Europe scene is that um, tricks are... His uh, girlfriend, wife, um, she's pregnant, so he's having expecting yeah, to have a kid. Yeah, I saw, I saw the tweet. It was funny. He's like, I don't know how to say this, my dudes, but I'm going to be a dad. <laughs> and it was funny because you know, it did get posted on um, Reddit, and then it was removed. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it kind of fell under content not related to Years of the Storm. Mm. So we had a bit of a you know, discussion about that because I said, hey, you know, this is good news. I mean, it's not like, yeah, I get it. And I think the the mods were a little bit like, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think it was like kind of a knee jerk. But then, of course, then it comes down to what personal news do we want to know about the pros and put on the on the forum? Yeah, and I think the you know, the idea is that you know, wedding announcements, engagements, births. I think that it should be a Twitter thing, not really a like. If you want to follow that person, then yeah. Well, I think we're going to be a little bit lax on that, you know, with that part. But like breakups, and, you know, fights. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, that's the stay out. Yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna not put, TMZ. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> it was, in, and that's one of those things, you know. It's like you don't realize it until, like I like I saw it get removed, and I was like, you know. So I asked the mods, you know, through our you know, our private channels. I was like, you know, why are we removing this plugin? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> it's like, and it was cool. You know, it's one of those things. You you know, the, we do the best to interpret the rules and, and apply right, them. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah so. But um, but anyway, congratulations, Trickster, and I hope you have a. Uh, healthy baby and that you know they grow up and they have a career in <laughs> something they're really passionate about you know it sounds like you know he's making it a career um that he's really passionate about yeah um, i know i mean it's such a weird time you know just for the, the just the i guess the amount of things that people can make a career out of right you know mm-hmm. i would never have thought you could make money playing a video game when i was a little kid you know, mm-hmm. me and Trix are roughly the same age, or he's a little mm-hmm. bit older than me. I think he's like thirty. So, you're still in that same generation, at the very least. Mm-hmm. So, with Jewel Scott's end of her article, she says, "Ask yourself honestly, why am I doing this? Why yeah. am I doing this podcast?" She says, "When you're new, you don't know what uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? And then Absolutely. most times, you just have to get there, get your hands dirty, and start doing it. And that's one of the reasons why I said, like, you know, at the anchor platform." I wanted to take all the barriers to public, you know, publishing a podcast out of the way and just focus on developing a fearless voice, you know, and I feel like I'm hone the content, right? That's all you do. Right. And so to me, why am I doing this? And it's like, that's a good question because I'm almost 50 and, you know, I'm married. Um, I'm in a rating guild. I have a career, you know, it's a, and it's a pretty involved career. And I would say the reason why I'm, I definitely, the reason why I'm doing the podcasting is because when I was, when I graduated from high school, I was, I um, got an AA degree in mass communications, but I never really parlayed that into a career. You know, I just, I started writing speeches and doing radio production. So, and then I got into photography and that's actually what I got my bachelor's degree in. So this, (laughs) I think this is kind of like paying homage. I'm, I'm paying my penance for not, you know, developing a mass communications career, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I did the same thing with photography because, like, I did photography, graduated, got a photography degree, and then never really took photographs again. And then, like, about eight years ago, um, I got into HDR photography, which was um, similar to what I was doing with black and white photography, you know, with uh, exposure and, and creating, like, uh, surrealistic-looking images and such. It just became a lot easier with Photoshop and right, digital yeah. photography. So I got really computing into computing power increases everything like that. Yeah, it just gets exponentially just, easier. But then the thing I learned this is like when you like what she's saying is when you're new you do not know what you don't know right. Yes. And when I was younger, you know I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know it's like I kind of think I could do this. I could do that. I was working in a hospital as an orderly, and um, you know everyone's telling me you should go to X-ray school. You should become work. And I was like, <laughs> you know, this is really not my calling. You know it's like it's kind of a thing and I started getting into art and you know not because I was really good as an artist but it started it was about process and learning right. how to deconstruct things and stuff and I did eventually identify the fact that I was good with computers and me and my friends started a computer company parlayed in some certifications got a government job blah blah but long story short right long story <laughs> short but the, the the thing is is that you know the, the revisiting these things now, when I went was when I got my degree in fine art, I didn't know about art, the the key to art. And what I learned about it when I rediscovered it back in twenty 
2008, 2009, uh, maybe 2010. It's about emotional connection. When you're an artist, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, you have a message, but the message isn't, it, it's more about creating that emotional connection. Art is about creating emotions. And when I learned that, my artwork became, my photography became drastically different, mm -hmm. you know? So to me, I guess the same goes with mass communications, you know, or doing a podcast. Yeah. It's about emotional connection. We developed an emotional connection, not, you know, romantic, but, you know. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a different kind. Like, right. I know exactly where you're coming from, though. Because, like, my favorite podcast are ones yeah. where they have these, it's, it's about the story, right? It's mm -hmm. not about, it's not about, like, it's not about what they did, per se, it's like how they did it. And it's like, you know, the stories that are involved with those things. And like, that's what drives it forward. Right. Because everything, I mean, a lot of stuff on, on the internet and social media is surface deep, right? People mm -hmm. or people try to hide, right. Instagram is a great example of this where people put an edited version of themselves, right. Mm -hmm. Their best picture, the one with the best lighting, the best angle, the best, you name it. Right. Right. Um, and then, then sometimes they're holding an ad where you buy my whatever Soylent tea or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> to, not to be cynical, but like, I just think when, when you are, are, are creating content, not to be too meta right now, um, you, you don't need to focus on like, how is this going to make you money or how is it going to do anything? Like, it's just about honing the craft. And I'm not even saying I'm remotely successful, not even by a long shot, but like, it's just about when you just just the act of doing. And but I think one of the things I should say, too, is that when you say creative, right, um, I think a lot of people are pigeonholed in the idea that it's an art, like, you know, taking pictures, drawing, stuff like that. Um, it took me a really long time to realize what creative meant, um, <laughs> because me as an engineer, I find my, you know, I, I would say I'm not creative. And I mean, it's, it's honestly a huge problem uh, still today in schools. Um, but basically creative is anything, right? Creative is the way you apply any sort of knowledge you have in a unique or different way. And, and, and you know how I do my videos, maybe they're a little cookie cutter and stuff, but like what I add to them via commentary, that's creative. Or like if I'm trying to just theory craft something new, that's creative. Or like, I don't know if you watched my most recent stream, uh, for the Spider-Man game that just came out. One of my favorite things to do is create overlays for the camera. Cause I don't have a green screen. Um, so I like to create overlays that are tied specifically to the game because I just think it's a little homage to the, to the game, um, create developers and creators to try and, and create something that, that makes it part of their game rather than just throwing an overlay on there and just saying, set it and forget it. Um, which I could easily do, but I, I just like to go a little bit extra just, just to try and make it more fun. And, and Spider-Man for me is a special, is a holds a special place in my heart. So, so I went out of my way. And if you know anything about Spider-Man, which I assume most people do now is I used like a, a, a simple PNG of the daily bugle and created like my own version of like a headline newspaper. And then my That's face, cool. my face is in the center of the, of the newspaper headline image where it would have been. So it's it, really cool. Yeah. It's just, that's creative. Right. And I mean, it's not great. Mm -hmm. I don't have like super good Photoshop skills or anything like that. And I kind of just took a PNG from the internet and just made it my own. But like, I'm kind of simple oversimplifying and probably selling myself short, but I just, you know, doing things like that, that's all creative. Um, it doesn't mean so, you have to have a unique skill is what I'm yeah. trying to say. 
So are you saying like basically the reason why you're doing this is to find it's a creative outlet? It's, yeah, it's helping you be okay. Yeah, that's cool. And I think honestly, the reason why I'm doing this, I told you like maybe the meta, like the kind of the rational reason right. why yeah, I'm exactly. doing it. Exactly, you gotta stop rationalizing try- sometimes. <laughs> right. Well, what I'm saying is the rational reason is because I'm trying to rediscover my mass communication skills. But yeah. really, it's about finding balance. You know, finding that balance between learning how to play the game and playing the game learning how to prepare for a podcast and mm-hmm. play the and then do the and then make the podcast and i think ultimately it's learning how to become a better performer mm-hmm. you know and, and both right now we're performing right, right. We, you know and when we play the video game we're performing you know yep. and so ultimately i think that's the reason why i'm doing this podcast it's just another way to prepare to perform you know and yeah. You know, like get energized. Like you said, like the first couple of podcasts we did, you felt energized. You're like, hey, I'm going to go play. You know, yeah. So that was good too. I mean, so, so just, to, just to kind of throw it back a little bit too, is like people think, especially people, like people who aren't connected to the video game world, um, inherently see video games as a waste of time, right? Um, which I don't obviously agree with or I wouldn't be talking about a podcast about mm-hmm. them. But when I started to do content creating, I, I wanted, I knew I was going to play video games no matter what. Like they're just an integral part of my life. It's how I relax. It's how I enjoy my time when I don't have anything going on. It's just decompression. But I wanted to be able to channel that time in, in a positive direction. Right. So maybe I'm not coming out with a video every day or every week or whatever, but I still want to do that because it's worthwhile to, to take it a step further. Right. Because like you said, it's, it's honing a different skill set, right? Yeah. It's not just, I'm going to just check out for however many hours I feel like playing, right? It's, I'm going to think about this in, intensely. I'm going to try and gain extra knowledge that I can share with someone else, right? And someone who mm-hmm. might not ever know, even know who I am, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, part of that, uh, you know, you know, like you said, there's a perception that we're goofing off, but really right. what we're doing is recharging in some ways. Yeah. You know, we're, <laughs> you know, we're kind of disconnecting from one thing, but we're video games are something that you can control. You know, sometimes you can't control the outside world. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and, and, and like you said, sometimes you can't control how you process things too. So sometimes you rely on subconscious ways of processing thing and control. Yeah. And like, just like when I complete my world quest in world of Warcraft, I feel like I'm in control when I complete, um, you know, the, the quests in here's the storm. I feel like I have a sense of control. I got gold, you know, mm-hmm. I can decide what I want to pick, you know? So there is that sense of getting control back. Um, but of course then there's the sense of losing control. If you're in a match and people do, don't do the things then maybe that's what causes <laughs> the triggering and all the other disenfranchising yeah. things so. where, you, where you see people just constantly dying and they're not paying attention or whatever and so, and then so when she said why you're doing this and i said and i and i i did say i'm going to explore this tonight on our you know our, on our podcast but i can tell you um one thing why we one thing i don't do we don't do the twitch streams and the things like that and the reason why is so we can focus on this discussion yes and not the camera and the chat and stuff. I think that's the the, the, the number one goal for podcasts. And, and it kind of burns me sometimes that people like they'll have a Twitch stream or they'll have a YouTube and they'll say, this is our podcast. No, no. Podcasts are about, mm-hmm. it's, portable. you know, you take it with you. You, you download it. only too. 
Like, yeah. I think the best one that, like, obviously Joe Rogan is, like, a gold standard for podcasts mm-hmm. for most people. But he's in a unique situation. But the, you, he, even though he streams it, it doesn't mean, like, they're not paying attention to the chat at all. Not even a little bit. So I think that people have to realize that it's not, like, it doesn't have to be a two-way dialogue. It's know? listening to the radio. It's just yeah. not the radio. <laughs> it's it's freeform radio, you know, yeah. not not with the the overdone voices and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, we're really cool. You know, it's like a think about it. Maybe if we one with one day we get creative, maybe we have like a, a podcast that has like music in between like segments or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like maybe video game music or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You know, and then because then, you know, it is, yeah, it's kind of like a community, right? You know, you have your DJs like they're talking for a few minutes, and then yeah. they play a song or two and then they come back. Of course, we'd have to give. We have to play royalty for your music, but hey, you know. it's just a matter of finding the stuff that we want, and it takes a little bit of time and effort to find that. So I think we, you know, addressed that pretty well, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Jules' next article. She even said, you know, you kind of like you're kind of touching on the things with my response that I'm going to cover in part two. But hey, nice. <laughs> maybe we can even get her to. Hopefully, maybe she even listens to our podcast and gives us a few pointers. You know, yeah, there you go. That'd be um, cool. So one of the kind of the news things that we started, it, there's a constant theme the last couple of weeks uh, in here as a storm since they made the changes to matchmaking is that the queue times are long. And I think with World of Warcraft releasing and, and drawing the, those users, I think people are, they're kind of up in arms right now about the queue times. Now, yep. my I haven't been playing for the last three weeks, so, but once they made the change, I didn't notice. I noticed a slight increase in queue times, but nothing yeah, you know, I guess there's a lot of silver players, so you know, here league it didn't seem too bad. And your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I just played quick match and I did notice there was a bug with the timer mechanic, so that when you hit the Q button, you hover your mouse over it. Uh, it was defaulting to the 180 seconds for every hero you played, and I was, obviously I was playing Mephisto, um, but yeah, like I noticed it would take longer, but it didn't really bother me because I'm like, well. It's Mephisto, so he's just gonna have a longer queue time anyway since he's a new hero this week. So it didn't it didn't really phase me like that much. And I didn't play a whole ton of games, maybe like five for the whole week or so, but yeah. It's just growing pains, I would say. Well, I think by this by the Friday I should be playing heroes again. And uh, I'm going away this weekend, but probably when I return I'll probably play a few matches too. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. You know, I'll, I'll definitely give my my impression after the next week. Nice. Um, but um, you know, like I said, uh, it's becoming a constant theme and kind of a meme a bit too, because people. Someone said it's like something like uh, was MF Palatine was trying to record his you know his uh, his content and people are watching it on stream. You know, because he he plays quick matches and then he takes snips and puts that on his YouTube. Yeah, he does the yeah. uh, like a BTS streams. Yeah. And then he said, you know, people are like, you know, trying for him to find a quality quick match game has been kind of hilarious, especially with Q times. But he plays it in the Masters level, too. So Yeah, like, well, I, I do have to say this. I don't know if this is like I've been seeing a lot less all like um, what do you call it? All like assassin specialist teams. I've been seeing a lot more like tank heals, DPS setups. I don't know if they did something in the code back in the background that's like caused this to change a little bit, but I'm just being like not a quote unquote even, but just better match quality where like it just feels like people are kind of like on the same page a little bit better uh, in quick match. I don't know if these are true or not, but that's kind of just what I've been noticing lately. 
Um, but it feels better. I've been I've been less uh, frustrated playing games lately than I have been in the, in the past. Hmm. Well, like I said, more to, more shall be revealed. Yeah. My wife says that's something you say in AA. But anyway. <laughs> But uh, yeah, but like I said, I think with the new, with the season coming to an end, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people, uh, you know, playing games to catch up to get yes. their mounts and stuff, you know. So it should be an influx in the next couple of weeks too. Yeah, so I should yeah, probably do we'll some more Hero League. I actually have to get Mephisto to level five first before I feel comfortable doing it. <laughs> so another thing that came up this week and it was really popular too is um someone posted th- something called things i learned while playing in a party of silvers and what i wish i knew um it actually got almost a thousand upvotes which is you know, wow, pretty good pretty for high. these types of, you know and it's one of those top 10 lists actually it had nine nine things on this list um so it, you know the number one thing is not knowing which lanes to take People don't know which lanes are, are soul lanes and, and which heroes are soul laners. So basically he's saying that that's, you know, I don't see on a two lane map you wouldn't know what the soul lane is, but I can see on a three lane map that might be a little bit confusing, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it's maybe, kind of picked arbitrarily too. Like, right. HCC really, like, there's obviously reasons why they do it for particular maps and stuff, for like mm-hmm. vision manipulation and things, but that's kind of high level and only really applicable in like well-coordinated settings you know mm-hmm. so but but i do think if you're you know if you know which lanes are the soul lanes you know which good soul laners are yeah. you can you know you can probably that into a few percentage point wins you know um so yeah i do you know i do think that maybe there should be some education about you know, it, I don't know how you would do that in a match, you know, but it would be nice if they, you know, some if pe- people could figure out which ones are the soul lanes or there's a way to kind of instruct people. Mm-hmm. Um, the next issue is that taking bad trades, trading hit points uh, in an unfavorable matchup or trying to poke opponents. They're saying that just like not knowing what, you know, what are some of the good matchups or ways to, you know, take trades. And yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so there, there's sometimes that you overstep your your bounds and you get owned. I think there's the there's the article we learned in Learning Fives, which is there's an invisible line across the middle, and one of the things you have to be careful of is crossing that line pre ten. If you go over that line, you're you're incurring more risk because you're closer to the towers, you're closer yep. to ganks. So I think you have to kind of you have to kind of divide the field into the middle. And then you have to kind of look for those matchups that it's, it's a 2v1, mm-hmm. not a 1v2, a 2v1. You're looking to create imbalance. And I think sometimes people don't know how to do that. And that's usually because they don't know how to rotate. Yes. There's there's maps with specific rotation patterns and stuff. And if you don't know how to, and I think that to me is like, if you ask me to prioritize, not knowing how to rotate on maps is the number one reason why map you you learn things or you lose maps you know if you don't rotate right you don't create those imbalances you're not going to win you know yep um, he says not picking up globes eh, you know I, I think there's there's an art to fighting over globes you know but i don't think it's necessarily going to hold people out he does say dangerous rotations and i think there's a number of dangerous rotations if you go like i said go across the middle of the map you're on that yeah, side I mean, and you're that, trying to rotate that's pretty much the biggest one is you overstep your bounds or and you're not aware of the mini map, you're going to just be, you know, 
then he puts number eight is managing not managing minion waves and i think it would be like number one because <laughs> no because your minion waves are worth a kill you know, you know so so you have to prioritize knowing how to freeze and soak xp safely and i think that's definitely um you know i think that's like the number like one or two thing and then last he kind of he kind of says in general not thinking about value and one of the things i've heard people say about here's the storm versus i'm not sure what that means so the one thing about here's the storm versus the other mobas is that in the other mobas you have currency right yeah gold you get coins gold so you know exactly the value of kills you know it's hey that's worth a lot of money and i could go buy a piece of equipment with and here's the storm it's all this abstract xp you know and the numbers float but you don't really understand the value i don't think versus the money value and so I've heard a lot of people say that yeah, well, that's one of the yeah. I think, the so the best analogy I can give for it is that the you as a player aren't effectively aware of how much you're contributing, right? Does that make sense? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You don't. There's like no running total bar. Right. Know? Yeah. Like you just see that XP bar go up at slow increments, and you're just not really sure how well you're. You're. I mean. I can say that I have a pretty good game sense of how well I'm contributing at this point, just because mm -hmm. I've played 3,000 plus games. So, uh, on the higher end of the spectrum, right? Um, but, yeah, I can I can definitely see where that's hard for players to gauge, especially new players. And it also comes down to the abilities, too. Which right, abilities yeah. have more value than other abilities? Unless you have a running, you know, hot slogs, you know, yeah. uh, thing. You're not knowing which those which of those um, abilities have the most value, or how you get the most synergy value, or how to link there so, properly. Like, right? What I what I would think is like somewhere like Li Ming, or mm -hmm. um, link clearing with Garrosh. Like those two, like inherently their their spells seem very single target focused. I mean, Garrosh does does not even do link clear for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, but understanding how to do that as effectively as possible is such a huge learning curve. Right? You yeah. Know, squeaking out what you can do with a given character. Right. Like for with um, Garrosh, there's two kind of builds. There's two kind of meta builds. There's a lane clear Garrosh, you know, that you can build into where, you know, you take, you know, um, uh, I don't, I wasn't really prepared to talk about this, but <laughs> the, um, I just well, I think it's just, just a well, not, talking point. Well, not Paradox did a video on it. And, you know, basically there's a way to, you know, to get value from Garrosh's ability to throw uh, friendly units to create yeah. more opportunities to lane clear. So if you need lane clear, that's the, you know, build you go. And if you don't, you need to throw heroes behind you and, you know, stun them and kill them. There's the other value, you know. But that's more of an HGC build with a coordinated game plan. And I agree. There is this hard, you know, it's really hard. Uh, to understand the value of the game. And that's where the content creators come in, right? Because yep. they're the ones, if they can take that 10 minute, you know, like do what you do, the intro and the, the gameplay and talk a bit, it helps these people get an idea of where to start, where to learn. Yeah. And then you get and then you get the guys like not Paradox who produce those videos where they really are analyzing HTC play after the hero's been out for a while and telling you, hey, here's really, really how you have to play. Like you're more of like, I'm discovering and here's some ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. Then Paradox says, well, this is what the meta is in, you know, in Hero League. Right, yeah. <laughs> at, at Diamond Master Grandmaster, right? So, um, so yeah. And then, um, so the TLDR is focus on not getting kills, but not, um, but on not dying. 
because you know not dying is the biggest one yeah and then focus on not doing damage but not taking any damage trying to avoid taking unnecessary damage Mm -hmm. and that seems like it's pretty good wisdom and you know for me i tend to do that i tend to i look for better trades i try not to go across the middle unless everyone else and then i even warn the you know i I have those kind of like subconscious rules but then again i had coaching as well so i ping constantly though i think people don't use that enough true but you gotta be careful with the pinging too, because some people they get offended by that. No, so. I mean, well, my rule is only only a few, like two, two at a time. One ping. <laughs> it's a hunt for the Red October reference there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so I thought that was a pretty good article, and I think that's no, good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And then moving on to that, you know, trying to find value, learn value. It looks like. Uh, Blizzard Entertainment, uh, the HTC crew, they posted a, they made an article called Leveling Up with uh, HTC, a fan guide. And this is basically the TLDR summary of all their articles on like uh, how to play certain maps, rotations, um, uh, uh, hero guides, you know, things like that. I think it's really, you know, it's a pretty good um, kind of summary of all the content they produced this summer and uh, early uh early spring and i've read through some of it i think like knowing like the, what the chinese bush meta is and uh, how to yeah, choose tires yeah. and stuff you know. I, I think it's one of the things that's kind of hard too is that understanding the differences in regions because i feel like the majority of streamers are um like north american representative and a little bit of eu because people like grubby out there and whatnot mm-hmm. but when you don't really know what is really going on in china just because of the timing difference and korea you kind of get a little bit with like rich and stuff, but that's because he's just such a huge name. Um, but you don't really see like the overall, right. You just see the tippy top. Um, and you know, it, I mean, it's fair to do that, but it's also not like all encompassing. So it's, it's good to have a broad spectrum because I think you can take a lot from your own play and still apply it from the other regions, even though it's, you know, we might not be in their regions prospectively. Yeah. So, I think we've covered most of the major topics this week, and mm-hmm. I think it's time to get into Hero Lab. Hero Lab. <laughs> <laughs> but oh no, we did one thing. Both sounds, you know, power tools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things you you mentioned to me, and it was present. Prasad, uh, you're gonna have to say his name. Prasad, Pras- oh man, I'm having a hard time for some reason saying his name. Prismaticism. There, there you, you go. go. I got it. Nailed it. <laughs> there you go. Point to me six times. It, about his, um, he tweeted about he, uh, uh, mana costs for uh, healers, healers and how many, yeah, and how many heals a healer can get off with their mana pool, and basically Tarande uh, um, had the highest amount of heals that they could get off with their mana pool. Yes. Right, and you said it was something like twenty three. Uh, 27.5. 27.5 Tarandas. Post rework. This is her new estate. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one that comes close is Anna at 21 and a half. Mm. And then after that, it drops off really hard to Deckard Kane at 11. And then Malfurion is just underneath that at 10.9. And then, like, if you want to get even worse, like Karazim and Uther, obviously, these are probably what you'd expect, are both at about four and it's like that's crazy 
right? Like, I mean, that's a huge discrepancy, right? Just look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trying to go for, like, long-sustained healing, your pick is basically Toronto, right? <laughs> well, it seems to me like everyone's, like, pretty happy about the rework on Toronto. Yeah. So, you know, I haven't played her since the rework, so I don't really have to say about that. It's really fun. It's yeah. really fun to play. Having two charges on her Q really mm-hmm. uh, improves her overall, like, just the, the, just how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got And she's got utility with her stuns. Yeah. And she's got, you know, so, yeah, I think, you know, she, everyone seems to be having a good time with her. Um, I'm sure she's going to probably get a little bounce tweak next Wednesday. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't really think that this is, I mean, it's informative. But it doesn't take into factors like Anna's heels are not the like, you know, they're not like a Rhaegar heel. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, they're there. I mean, but I, I, I would say that, you know, like Rhaegar, you know, he's got pretty powerful heels um, that can chain. So it's like, you know, he's so with the Rhaegar, you want to position yourself between your targets because, yeah. you know, you um, you want to chain you want to chain that heel between three things. So like so right there, that's three heels, you know, to one of Taronda's heels. You know, I mean, you know, I'm sorry, three targets to one of Toronto's. Trying, yeah. you know, so that's something you have to think about as well. You know, yeah. I, I definitely think it's interesting. I, I remember like when I was looking at, um, uh, what was it? Uh, report. And in Hero's report, unlike um, uh, going to Hot Slogs, he's got the ability to filter on certain uh, stats. Oh, and one of the stats I, for healing stats, it was like looking at who's got the, the biggest shields. And Tassadar, he's got like five times the amount of shielding than any other hero. He just doesn't have the same healing output, but he can shield people, you know, five times greater. Now, shields might not be as valuable today. Maybe that's where they're going to, maybe that's where they're going to rework him a bit once they, they figure out what they want to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, it, it kind of talked because the reason why I was looking at that is because then we had Deckard Kane uh, come out and you know, he's kind of in that same boat as Anna and, uh, um, you know, people who give shields, you know, to yeah. heal. So I thought that was kind of interesting. It was kind of a unique way of looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Tesla. also interesting that Anna has started to kind of have a resurgence in the meta of mm-hmm. some sorts. Well, she's got that utility, right? She's got the ability to slow stun you know if if she uh, goes into her um her uh, w and buffs that yeah. we talked about that that's a really that's I've been a, seeing a, a lot heal. of the um sleep dart build mm-hmm. as like at least for the first three talents right and then after that you kind of yeah. pick what you choose but like just having that anti-dive like having someone yeah like use yeah. that almost like kind of like wow arena where you just use it as a sap or yeah. like a blind, right? Like it, it right. just it just stops all forward momentum at that point. It's just a reset right. button. You um, sleep them, you yeah. slow them, and you put five dots on them, and then you let people kill them. So right. yeah. like, I mean, that, that's healing, I mean, on top of that, the healing denial is just huge, right? I mean, a, a, mm-hmm. a, main, a main tank is so used to just soaking up so much damage, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're at 50% mm-hmm. health, and then you hit them with a grenade, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to yeah. live. <laughs> There's a Lily. Oh, I know what I'm picking. Anna. <laughs> right. Well, um, Lily's, yeah, she's got the jugs, you know. Hey, look, she's jugging. Yeah, well, let's put the yeah. let's put the W off. I just want to mention <laughs> too, that. uh, one more thing with that tweet. If you follow the link, which we'll have in the description, um, Chaos OS actually linked his own Google Docs 
for looking at Toronto numbers. Mm-hmm. And then he, he put a comprehensive chart looking at um, healing versus, uh, like, mana efficiency. So he scaled it in two different ways. So burst healing, which he, he defines as a two-second window of healing, and then sustained healing, which is over uh, average healing over time, uh, two or more targets per heal, uh, or basically assuming uh, best-case scenario for all heals for sustained healing. So, just looking at, like, the numbers, the best healers for burst healing now is, like, Taronda and uh, White Mane. And then yeah. the, the sustained healers are, are kind of, like, Aureal. But, like, the sustained window is, is looking at best-case scenario, so it's never going to be the best. And there's some pretty good uh, uh, looking at what Dragon Alex and Human Alex do as well. But um, just at a, like, from a pure numbers, the median amount of mana efficiency that a hero has is 16 uh, for the heroes that use it, and Taronda is at the very tippy top at 27.5. The only hero that comes close in mana efficiency is Stukov at 22.2. Um, yeah. The rest of them drop off very, very fast, with White Mane being one of the weird exceptions, because in combat she's super efficient, but then out of combat she's very inefficient, which makes sense, because she doesn't have any ability to heal uh, if she's not doing damage. So yeah, it, that's just another resource for you guys who are interested in numbers. Um, I, I think it's an interesting talking point uh, about how the devs have shifted their game design. See, and I'm looking through this list. I'm trying. I'm thinking to myself, who here needs a tweak? You know, who yeah. here? And Brightwing stands out to me as something as as one of the heroes that might need a tweak. Yeah, she needs a refresh. Yeah, just Obviously, a little bit. You know, it's funny, his test already isn't even on this list. Because <laughs> he's, he's not a support. He doesn't provide actual healing, right? He's like a disc priest. Where his, not even a disc priest, because white man is a disc priest. Where all he does is provide mitigation, right? It's not a heal, per se, unless you get the talent. But that only works with high attacking heroes like Tracer. Um, but he's under, he's classified as a support. Yeah, you I know. know. He's, he's under, but he's really <laughs> not a support. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, you're hurting my brain. Te- 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 technically, Zarya would be a support, right? Yeah, technically, but uh, he's more of a bruiser. But yeah, okay. I know. I get what you're doing. Um, these are good resources for people. Yeah, especially yeah. if you like stats. Yeah, and then my other discussion point, kind of just balancing around this mana discussion, is like heroes like Phoenix, who have like basically a double health bar, and has like really very limited balancing options, right? He doesn't have a resource. He can just switch between attacking modes whenever he wants. Um, he can be aggressive. He has a warp in, out, whatever he decided to do. He's lots of baseline synergies with his own kit and others' kits. Um, and so Chaosos actually mentioned in that kit is like, or that same thread was, why not give him mana? And then whenever you use the AOE splashing the auto attack, you make it cost mana, and then you balance around that. Um, so then you basically limit his AOE clear instead of being infinite and with no repercussion, because, like, you know, I don't know. There's no reason not to do that, right? Like, he can clear camps without worrying about it. He can, mm-hmm. clear you know, clear waves without worrying about it. It's just, like, the hero's just really good at a lot of things. Um <laughs> I'm sure, like you know, people are like, "Hey, just don't pay attention to Phoenix. It's um, it's it's <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We're we're just okay. 
We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. That's no. Rainer. Rainer's out of bounds. Yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. To me, just when you have a hero that's got, like, when you think of shields, they're they're problematic in the sense that it to do to basically win a trade against a hero with a shield, you have to do the shield amount and then more, and then continue to do more, you know, to make it worth it. Otherwise, you lose out the trade all the time unless you have your own version of self-sustain. Right. So it's weird. It's just a really weird and like tricky balancing act because if you do too much to the shields or whatever, it's, it's just he becomes a really useless hero. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So transitioning you know, to, into the hero lab a little bit more, I just wanted to kind of mention um, on Hero's Hearth, uh, 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 they, uh, Learning Fives, uh, we've talked a little bit about this. Yes, um, we did. Think, um, Learning Fives is a group of people that have a Discord server. Basically, it's free coaching for about six weeks, and you get drafted into a team, and someone volunteers to be the coach of the team. And for five weeks, you learn to kind of analyze your hero pool, what your strengths, your weaknesses are. Um, you get to learn some, you know, kind of uh, meta rules about maps and, and team selection. And then you kind of just focus on playing the game as an as a organized team versus five randoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you learn a different aspect of Heroes of the Storm. Well, this week they started publishing um, uh, map content on Heroes Heart, basically like a guide to each of the maps and like what, comp, what comps work with it. Um, and this week they, uh, they started with... Uh, Tomb of the Spider Queen. And I really like Tomb of the Spider Queen. Um, I have my comfort picks on there. Thrall, Zul, um, anything with lane clear, I, I usually pick on that. Um, and then he talks a little bit about the strategy, like what you know, how you should be playing the early game, mid game. I'm not really going to go too uh, in depth with this. But I just want to kind of say I'm looking forward to this, this, this content coming up because I do think one of the things we talked about is there's a lack of um, content that's de- that explains how to play each map. There's a lot yes. of hero content, but map content is rather sk- skimpy. And then, like, you know, people like Not Paradox, they'll produce videos, right? But they'll sit there and ramble, you know, and they talk. I mean, they make good points, but it's a bit of ramble. It's Here it's kind of right. Yeah, it's kind of written down, kind of like, you know, in a framework. Uh, it's suggests it's, it's descriptive, not prescriptive, but there is some prescriptive things about it. Um, uh, Kurian is the guy who's been doing it. He's done a number of hero guides on Heroes Heart, so I think he's just taking up and decided to be represented with um, uh, Learning Fives and represent them on um, Heroes Heart. I think um, just kind of building on your point, I think it's hard to build to do map specific content for heroes just because of the structure of it. And like the mm-hmm. only way to really like pick your map is to do it in, in a custom game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like pick band system between maps or between right. uh, hero league games or something like that, um, or even bands for that matter. So like, mm-hmm. it just it's just a really hard thing to be able to go into a game and be like, okay, I hope we get this set of maps or this map in particular, and then I'm gonna, you know, take you guys through how to do it. Like, I think the best way to to do it probably or the most efficient would probably be just looking at a VOD afterwards and being able to talk through a game that you did and you did made, you know, good choices, right? Or just analyzing mm-hmm. it. And the thing about um, Tomb of Spider Queen, Queen, it's about this rotation between uh, top and, uh, and mid. Yep. That's, that's the major rotation. It's not a long distance. So putting your four stack there and then having your offlaner at the bottom, 
um, is kind of an important strategy to kind of take there. Mm-hmm. And then knowing when to take the boss, you know, you know, when you get the advantage, go take the boss. That's, you know, but that's kind of a simple, but drafting is important because there are certain heroes that are really good on this map. Um, and I think he did a good job of kind of just covering those bases and knowing what to take. And, you know, it's one of those things I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more more of. And as I said, you know, we're getting kind of low on the hero pool with regards to the hero discussions. And there's been a number of requests to maybe, uh, when we run out of heroes to discuss, maybe to go and do like a um, two uh, maps per week discussion until BlizzCon. So I think that's, you know, something I'm going to take forward, um, going forward with the um, hero discussions in Reddit. So Nice. So yeah, it was a good, you know, just once again, if you're looking to get into a, a group or, you know, uh, Learning Fives, they have their open registrations. They're quick, though. They usually, they, they announce them like on, like, say, a Wednesday and they're closed by Sunday. So you get on their Discord, just hang out. Eventually, you'll catch one of them and get selected. The thing about it, when you want to be in Learning Fives, they expect that you have uh, done your placements. So if you should do at least your Hero League placements, but you can also do Team League placements. And, you know, there's an application process. You kind of tell them why to pick you versus anyone else. So, I mean, there is a bit of that. But I've been able to successfully get in several times, you know. I didn't get in the first time they did it, but I got into the second, third, um, and fourth and fourth time they did it. I didn't do the last one, you know, um, didn't get selected. So Now, t- t- to be fair, I've only been silver. You know, I haven't progressed out of silver. But then again, I did play... It's because of that I started playing more Hero League matches, and I've gotten to the point now where I'm I'm averaging about 300 matches per season now. You know, for the last two seasons, so mm-hmm. so that's pretty good. Way more than me. <laughs> that's the thing is, like, you know, to me, it's like that's where you're gonna learn, and you know, I'm learning a lot about myself. You know, just like mm-hmm. not getting triggered. And things, so cool. So um, moving on, then um, what was it? Uh, Chaos OS. He posted his Hanamoro, um, uh, Math of the Storm. The Hanamura Temple rework. And you didn't know if you had a chance to review that at all. I looked at it a little uh, bit, and I played on the map a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. Overall impressions, it feels pretty good. Um, it's not nearly as snowbally as it was before, uh, but it can be snowbally if a team just can't team fight you with an advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the interesting thing with Vision in this map is it's now a camp. And you have to kill the camp because it's neutral. And then um, once you kill the camp, the enemy team has to kill it again to be able to reclaim it. And then, But you can still fight over it uh, to reclaim it like any other camp, which is cool. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's way more interactive that way, making it be a camp. And then they also added uh, two of the turret camps, like on Volskaya, which they mm-hmm. were originally in anyways. And then they also added two like samurai mini-bosses. Right. And these mini-bosses are actually really strong. Um, they do this, like, really wide arc cleave, similar to Leoric's Q, mm-hmm. uh, but bigger. And it does, I think, about 25% of your health if you're a squishy. So it, it, mm-hmm. it hurts. And uh, I actually really enjoy that. And then it's really fun as a mechanic to have, like, a micro-boss that can push down a lane. Um, yeah. It's not a huge seizure, but it will push lanes well. Um, yeah. Because so the, really, go ahead. The, the thing about drafting on this map is you got to draft from the camps. You need the mouthy elves. You need the ones that can, you know, take down, uh, that can, you need a true jungler, basically. This is one of the first maps where you say you need a jungler, you know. That's what, that's been a lot of the comments. Yeah, I can I've see read. that. Yeah. 
I saw a thing on Heroes Hearth, Hot Slug, I believe, posted it, and he looked at the mm-hmm. win rates of what were the best heroes or, like, the best performing heroes on the map so far. Mm-hmm. And I think the top one was Artanis, which makes sense, because if you go yeah. to an amateur opponent, he just mm-hmm. gets so much he's- value on on getting camps, specifically that turret camp, probably. Yeah, um, he's a jungler. He becomes a jungler. You build him in the jungle, and, yeah, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't have to sacrifice, like, a high-output assassin. Like, if you dedicate, like, a... If you dedicate, like, a, a Malthiel to it, I mean, it can be done. I and, think it's like yeah. sustain, though. Yeah. Because the camps the don't thing. have a lot of bodies. Right. And the, only, the, the only camp that has a decent amount of bodies is the... Uh, the recon camp, the vision camp. Mm-hmm. So, like, after that, it, his value falls off pretty, pretty dramatically. Yeah, I definitely think Artanis is definitely like a go-to pick on that. You know, and if you don't get Artanis, you have to kind of decide which jungler you want to go with. Or do you want to do a specialist jungler, or do you want to uh, find an assassin jungler to mm-hmm. get? So. Yeah, I find it so, interesting yeah. when you get maps like that where certain heroes come come back into the forefront in some ways, mm-hmm. like um. Yeah, totally agree. You know, like like Gazlos or even mm-hmm. Zagara to a lesser degree. Dude, I see so much Gazlo on Ultrag Valley. <laughs> like, I mean, that does not surprise me in the slightest because he just puts turrets all up over the place. And he's like, I dare you. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, where I see Gazlo the most is in you know is uh, Ultrag Valley and um, Infernal Shrines. It seems yeah. those are the two places. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, then there's this guy, he did this uh, little uh, <laughs> Mephisto video. Uh, I wonder if he's willing to like talk about what he thinks is like the high. The, I want to say the one thing, your intro, the intro uh, sequence you have is pretty funny. It, it, not pretty, it's pretty cool. I like it. How it like. Plays this, out. It has like a wall. Yeah, I was kind of <laughs> looking around for intro song and uh, I was looking royalty for your music and I just kind of. I don't know why I was like done with the video and everything. I was like, this needs music finally. And then I just kind of, you know, I was trying to think of something that was like, I'm like, I'm Wenzeltron, sci-fi robot, just kind of went down a rabbit hole and found something I liked. And then it was like only a two second clip. So I made it like five seconds or so just splicing it together. And it just kind of works. Um, but it seems like the music synchronizes with the logo coming in. And yeah. The, I tried to place it in there to make it set to do that. So, just like I said, the creativity thing, just playing around with things and making it better over time. <laughs> see, see, that's what I hope. That's when we were talking earlier this week about uh, I kind of sent you a message. Yeah, yeah. Do you think we need to get a producer, you know, like someone who really likes doing this, the intros and the outros? And yeah, I mean, it's just someone with a bigger knowledge base because I'm just throwing it together with, you know, yeah. my own well, this, stuff. Y- well, to yours, it's visually, you know, interesting because you're synchronizing the the logo with the sound. Yeah. I think we're we're looking for some kind of music intro. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then it kind of like does the kind of the first part, and then it just makes so, it. You yeah. got to make it thematic, though, right? Because it's right. like math or mastering the storm, right? So then yeah. so that makes me think like thunder and clouds and I don't know. Yeah. To the drawing board, just you know, under the hood stuff, but. Kind of work. But yeah, so for the video. Um, I was stuck in queue for a long time and I wound up actually recording while loading, which I normally don't like to do because I like to spin around the character and talk around stuff. But I thought this time it was just good to just jump in and talk about it from like first impressions. I had done like one or two games before I made the video and I was kind of basing off my, my initial first impressions from like chaos OS, what he talked about from the math side of things. And then I kind of like 
base around usability from there, like pragmatically, basically. Um, and the I feel like he has a lot of interesting talents that I don't know how much va- like there's a lot of skill involved in how you play Mephisto because mm-hmm. like I just find there's so many different things that you can do right I don't know how to explain it in a good way off the top of my head because I'm not ready <laughs> <laughs> but like I recorded his video and it's a complete blank <laughs> yeah I know well it's like level one like you have a Q build you have your W damage right and then you have like a generic spell power like after you E around and then you have an auto attack talent um, that seems to just be there because it's like ooh you get CDR and everything so you want more CDR right yeah um so, like, my, my basic like, guess was, like, Skull Missile sounds cool, right, as an easy build. And then I kind of, like, looked at it, and I'm like, you have to hit 40 heroes. That's, like, crazy. Unless you have, like, these really long, drawn-out fights. Um, it's hard. And then, like, going for your Spark, it just feels like every fifth hit of Lightning Lumen does bonus damage. Like, that's cool. But I don't know, like... Like realistically, how effective are you going to be at doing that, right? As like a like an average player. So like that to me just means like you default to just baseline spell power. So you have a five second uh, spell power buff, uh, or t- five second twenty percent spell power buff. After you use your E, so it's pretty good. But it's then it's like you know how effective are you using your E at that point, which I find myself probably not doing well enough. And then his next tier is all sustain based, and I mean the only one that really makes sense is Static Barrier because that's like his bread and butter of his kit, like at least flashiness wise, uh, where it gives you a shield for fifty percent of the damage you deal, and then it just synergizes with a lot of things later on. And then at there's also the the Regen Globe talent, which I think is really only effective in maps like uh, what do you call it, Tomb of Spider Queen. Possibly Braxis, if people play on Braxis. And then seven is like, what does your E do, like a buff wise? And armor is probably the most likely thing, followed by the movement speed. And then ultimates, right? So ultimates are like his huge, like everyone's like, oh my god, this hero's broken kind of thing. Like, why give him a global ultimate? Let's rework Tron and give her a global heal again. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I like his ultimate design, though. So, from a quick match perspective, Consume Soul is so much fun. Because you kind of look around, you're like, you see if someone's low, and then you channel it, and then they die. And it also does, since it reveals enemies on the map, and, like, say you're taking a boss, it has so much usability around that. Um, slowing down rotations for 40% slow for 2.5 seconds. Um, and then you just get extra, just giving your team more time to react, right? Say you get a bad engage and you're in the back line, you can channel that real quick and give your team that much more time to to set back up and stuff. Um, I did play one game with Durns of Hate, or like two games actually. So the two things, one, I don't really like the ability. Uh, the range feels so short, very short. Um, and then the channel time, it just makes it seem like you just can't land stuff easy enough. I think if the range was a little bit longer, it would be better and i just think it requires a little bit more um coordination to be effective i think it can work when you have certain teams that do a lot of area of effect 
But I think as a as a mage and his style, having more burst is just better rather than it. It does synergize well because I think the current range of endurance of hate allows you to be right and able to hit your W, your uh, static nova or lightning nova on those heroes that are rooted from the max range, which is kind of cool. And then the other thing I just was realizing as I was playing more games is if you're auto attack, if you're in auto attack range. The hero is exactly far enough away to be able to be hit by your lightning nova from that range. So that's like a, mm. a skill caveat there. Go ahead. Um, so have you discovered any uh, synergies or counters to playing with Fisto? I mean, is there certain... Counters, he is pretty vulnerable to dive. If you can get close to him, like... Because he's like a mid-range mage, right? He wants to be... Mm -hmm. Close, but not, like, on top of you close. But he also wants to be aggressive. So if he's on the back foot, he doesn't thrive at all. So if mm -hmm. he's so if he's behind, it's going to be really hard for him to be able to make that space. But where if he's ahead, he can leverage the, that, that ability. Like, if I'm up a talent level or, like, I have an ultimate or something, I can be, like, blinking forward, you know, using my lightning nova to poke at range and like not feel afraid because I'm just going to teleport backwards in two and a half seconds and I'm not going to be in danger anymore, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if you so have, like, I'm trying to think who would uh, synergize tank wise. So but the good counters to him might be like an Illidan. Illidan, Illidan is very hard to deal with. I had a game where I played against um, that. Uh, and then I also played against Genji's. Genji's can be hard. Mm -hmm. because since his lightning nova does the percent not the percent it takes fast i think like 0.3 every 0.3 seconds 0.25 seconds um if he uses deflect there's a lot of your damage gone because it's a pretty long deflect um and then anyone who can slow you down because even if so if you don't use your shade you can't cast it while rooted right. it'll clear cc after you've already used the ability but it won't let you use it until afterwards and if you've already like, if you're CC'd in a place and you try to use it to get away, unless your support or their tank is on top of the game, you're basically still dead. Mm -hmm. you feel I heard a lot of people say, like, be careful where you, you use your shade from. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I made a point to say that in the video, like, I was mm -hmm. when I would do it wrong. <laughs> it's really... Don't, it's do what I do. Don't do what I do, kids. Yeah, it really, it really feels like that. Um, and then for the rest of the build, it's kind of augmenting... Uh, how you play like splashing auto attacks is eh. like getting reduced cooldown on your alt is okay um but then there's another more spell power which i think is just fine with your q 16 i think is where you have a lot of freedom and how you want to deal more damage so 16 has lightning reactions so skull missile explodes on contact with lightning nova dealing 144 damage to enemies nearby and explodes the static field is when Lightning Nova's bonus damage reaches its max 40%. The here uh, enemies within its radius take the damage equal to 12.5%, sorry, of their max HP. That's a huge chunk of HP. I think it's one of the highest percent health damage abilities in the entire game. Caveat mm -hmm. there is that it takes a significant amount of time to ramp up. So the damage ramps at 4% per tick. Mm-hmm. So that's 4% times 0.25. Math, hold on. Do 0.25 times 4. So it's like every one second of damage. Mm -hmm. 
Every one second of damage, you will get... Let's see. Sorry. One times four. So 16%. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. You basically have to hit multiple heroes to make it work. I'm doing it really roughly, but basically it's at least two heroes for the right. entire duration of the ability to ramp it up to the 40%. And it's kind of hard, and it, and it only mm. works really against frontliners, or, or unless you're playing hyper-aggressive and blinking forward and then doing damage that way. Right. What it I've, seems like you're, you're looking for heroes like Deckard, ETC, yeah. and uh, Diablo to kind of like stun and root. Yes. Your opponents, then you, you just walk someone them to hold the control so that they can't mm -hmm. react to your positioning because then you're mm -hmm. overcorrecting and they're undercorrecting or they're just like, oh, wait, you're too close to me. I'm going to walk towards your model now. So then, you know, you can't, there's no way you can damage me kind of thing. Right. Um, so you, you hide in the bush, you have ETC come in, mosh, you get two or three, and then you go in and do your, and then ultimate. you shade mm -hmm. in. Yeah. And then do your ultimate and then just like wail in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wombo combo. So what I find myself doing though, is going mm -hmm. the animosity at 16, which is so you is an activatable with it extends your lightning nova by two and a half seconds. That's very long. The ability already persists for two and a half seconds, so you already have a five second lightning nova. And if you're playing correctly, you're gonna get a huge amount of bonus damage, right? And then on top of that, while basic text while lightning nova is active, immediate pulse of extra damage. Mm -hmm. So you can basically double dip. With, with a what is attack period he attacks at one attack per second so if you're doing it properly it's a huge amount of damage and cooldown reduction so you're still throwing out your cues between all of that stuff getting more spell power and stuff and what I've noticed when I play him this is obviously in quick match but when you play him he kind of turns into this he's doing damage to a lot of different sources in like a very chaotic way mm -hmm. and then you like basically the team is low right everyone's scattered about because they're trying not to get hit by you anymore and then they're spreading out and then all of a sudden they're all low somewhere and then you cast your ultimate and then they all die right <laughs> mm -hmm. or or your team is like they're trying to disengage and then they've already taken so much damage and your team is able to just capitalize on it um he i think he very much thrives in chaos as a hero yeah, he seems like he creates it. You yeah, know, he and, does. You know, his damage sources all over the place. He's got mm -hmm. aggressive mobility for a mage. And just having the ability to get CDR on basic abilities is crazy. Like, But I, by himself, you know, like in uncoordinated play, he's probably not going to thrive very much. He needs enablers to kind of yeah. get the most benefit from them. So if you're if you see someone drafting, you know, um, yeah, you know, Mephisto. You you gotta really think about how can you, how can you complement him. He can do some wave clear. He's got that. You know, he's got a pretty decent wave clear. You also don't. He, go ahead, finish your sentence. Okay. But he needs people to enable that, that wombo combo to get the most value from him. And then it seems like the maps he'd be good on, are uh, maps that uh, focus you the team fights on objectives because yeah. you know. If you're fighting over the ejector, he's like, because mmm, 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 mm, you're all yeah. there. Because he wants people to be stacked and get more CDR. Yeah. Um, so that puts things like Ultra Pass, Curse Hollow, and yep. Infernal Shrines definitely in his wheelhouse. But then, you know, maps like Volkskaya Vol Foundry and um, Warhead Junction might, Warhead Junction, because he's just so far away. <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, you don't want big maps on him. Yeah. Same kind of with uh, Volkskaya Foundry. There's a, you know, there's a, objective but it's a very big objective so it might be really hard uh 
But to it, I get think Volskaya, he'll be okay because he has a mm -hmm. large area of which he can teleport aggressively mm -hmm. and then get back to safety, right? Because he can go in, zone out the team, you know, test the water, but, so to speak. But I don't think there's a lot of places to hide on Volskaya. No. Remember, and that's one of his things. And he's got to be able to hide a bit, you know, in order to. Yeah, uh, maybe I think, that's where he's a little I bit think more because I'm playing in quick match, I'm able to abuse the the ability to teleport forward because more people are afraid of me <laughs> being aggressive. He's over tuned. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know. I feel like I'm able to abuse stuff like not tower diving per se, but being able to just blink forward, pop a few mm -hmm. damage points, and then people like focus me for a second, and then they've already wasted time. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he's an interesting hero, and then he's kind of got a weird caveat where he's okay at wave clear and stuff and like camp clear but he's since he doesn't have cdr while doing it it just feels slower right it's kind of a strange mm -hmm. little caveat there but it doesn't feel bad he can he can solo lane pretty decently um you can't be obviously taking damage but you can still clear like waves pretty well and kind of bait people in to get getting being hit by the the lightning nova and then because if you can do that especially against most melee he kind of thrives I don't think he'll do well against URL, though. So, sorry, people. Because <laughs> URL can just jump on you and you're just kind of stuck. I have gone against a URL before and it wasn't too bad, but if she's aggressive and knows how to push your limits, you're going to have a bad day. So, in the the number of assassins released in 2018, where is he ranked? Like, in your... as like For which, me, personally? Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. up there. I like him as a hero. I think I... Like, I can play Li Ming as a mage, but I can I feel like I he's kind of my kind of hero. I can really feel like I can leverage him in certain ways. Like I'm not like a master at it, but I feel like he's pretty good. Um, cool. I, I like his playstyle. He he fits my. I like heroes that can save themselves in senses, like kind of like that mobility escape. Not like Genji mobility because I just find Genji I just don't get Genji. But I I, I can understand how to play Mephisto well. Yeah, cool. Well, it sounds like you enjoyed him, and yeah, he's, he's in your he's in, he's in your wheelhouse, and you're going to be practicing a bit more. Yep. Um, cool. Cool. So then we had a, on Thursday last Thursday we had a hero discussion about Tracer. Um, you know, Tracer is one of those controversial heroes. He's been nerfed a lot. Yeah, <laughs> lots of little tier. tweaks. Yeah. Eventually, she's going to be doing like she's only going to have one attack damage. <laughs> By the time Blizzard's done with her, and there's been a number of like discussions about her on Reddit. Um, that one that's one of the reasons why she's been so late in the season to be get a hero discussion is because I think around April March time frame before the first set of nerfs, or maybe just after the first set of nerfs, there was a pretty big discussion on Reddit about her, and you know people feeling like you know she's constantly being nerfed. But then I think what Blizzard's response was it's hard she it's counterplay you know there's not a lot of counterplay against good tracers um yeah. and but what's also interesting was it was kind of difficult to find a lot of like how-to videos on how to play tracer i mean generally either play her well or you don't you know so um that's a good point yeah. i didn't think about that I mean, there's a there's a master tracer named as a Mockrel seventeen thirteen, who does a ton of like he's a one tricker, you know. So he produces a lot of content videos um, about his tracer picks. Mm -hmm. He did um, produce a video on uh, 
his tips and tricks. And specifically, he talks a lot about his key binding, uh, where he remaps the left click to be attack move, because he feels like you oh, really can't. He really feels it's hard to uh, switch between Q and A, you know, with regards to tracer and be on point. And so basically, it's a, it's a comp- no. I, I guess wouldn't have thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense because that's the same finger that needs to blink an auto attack move. Right. But the only challenge of that is once you do that, then you have to figure out a menu key because that's your menu key. And when you remap it to your attack, your A move or whatever, uh, it becomes a little bit more challenging to do things like pings and stuff like that. So. Oh, yeah, because you can't left click um, anymore. Right. And Blizzard did put in, like, Blizzard tried to address the whole uh, uh, A, you know, uh, left click um, attack move by uh, changing. There's a setting in, in Here's the Storm where you say wherever the mouse cursor is. Yeah, I saw that recently. That's where you attack. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So you, that's, you check that. So, like, wherever your mouse cursor is, that's what you're going to attack. But, um, you know, it's not just left like clicking, that. right clicking. I don't know yeah. if I like well, that. Because have, you, have you switched it to that? Yeah, I haven't used it. That's what I use. For anything that has like a kind of like a radical, I use a on release for that. And then for everything else, I use quick cast. So um, skill shots, anything that has got a radical, you got to draw a line or something, I usually use on release. And then everything else is quick cast. And then I use that ability that remap uh, or wherever your mouse cursor is, that's what you attack. So that's my kind of my settings there. But um, it you know it didn't get a lot of discussion. You know, it's probably one of the least discussed uh, heroes, believe it or not. Maybe it's because Thursday we had a lot of content with. Uh, uh, um, we had it was Open Division was uh, was uh, getting ready for the Crucible, yep. and you know getting their Crucible uh, teams together, and then um, we also had HTC action. So, I mean, it did generate some discussion. Um, like I said, I think one of the discussions was you know, a lot of people were talking about is how do you uh, how do you keybind uh, to be more effective with Tracer? She's one of those heroes that does you know seem to excel a bit more remapping yep. your your keys. But the thing is, she's still hard. You know, even with um, all the balance changes and stuff, she's one of the hardest heroes to play in the game. And it seems like we're getting down to the harder heroes. Like last week, we had the, the Lost Vikings, you know, which is the hardest support. Have you done my Ev yet? My was done early in the season, okay. like when she was released. Yeah, so, I think I think she's up there um, too. Yeah, you know, and that's a good question because I don't really think you have to remap your key by. No, it's not to, mapping keys, but it's just me- mechanically, I guess she's different. yeah, definitely she's mechanical. yeah, definitely agree. And the, the sad thing about her is I think she just got beat with the beats with the the nerf bat to the point she's a little bit like underwhelming now you know it's like really do i put she's the time pl- in to learn she's still player? played very much in competitive she's kind of like the tacitar sure. you know right the current tacitar where if you put her on a t- coordinated team she just becomes like broken right. but if you play her like in your solo queue games she's people are like why are you playing that dead broke like dead hero <laughs> yeah. it's a shame because i yeah i played when i play coordinated play we've had a few players that do play like my um my app i think yeah, and I think my have like with uh, Mephisto might be that might be an enabler. You know, it's like you know, put them all in a little Ooh, circle. <laughs> that sounds. I didn't even think about that. That would be a freaking amazing video. Can you imagine? Warden's cage, lightning nova, ultimate, dead everything. Put him in the cage. Don't forget. Don't forget to put a mosh in there. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a mosh or a gravel bomb just for funsies. Yeah. <laughs> 
the Wamu Kamu team. It's like yeah. there's there's the dive do, team. There's the Wamu Kamu team. Just to make it even more silly, you do Diva Bomb with Warden's Cage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. With a garage to throw it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Put it on the outside. It's like you know this is coming for you, right? <laughs> but yeah, so um, you know the strengths of her is that she's really good able to dodge skill shots when you're doing yeah. um and she moving. can bait certain but, heroes right like anything with right. a point and click charge like uh diablo mm-hmm. if, you, if you're fast enough you can bait it um to like a gate or something which is interesting uh very high level obviously but still thing you can do yeah and um you know she's you know the community kind of uh thought that you know basically with regards to her hero synergies, she needs like some type of shield or yeah. mana. She needs She's a support squishy. that's going to enable her. Yeah, that's that's kind of a requirement. You see Tracer in her draft. Make sure you're drafting heroes like a Malfurion who can put a hot on her, uh, White Mane, or even a you know a Tassadar maybe. You know to kind of just give her that a little extra protection so she can dive quantum quantum spike people and kill yep. them. Yeah, so, um, and you know when it comes to the, the hero, uh, the heroic that people favor, everyone quantum spike, quantum spike, quantum spike. So yeah, I don't really see the other ones anymore. Like initially, she was always going the faster charge rate until people mm-hmm. started realizing that she could blow up tanks and stuff, or just <laughs> be throwing out her ultimate more often. Uh, especially because the level one talent changed. It used to be the reveal, and now it's kind of the uh, every time you melee, you get a huge boost of percentage on your pulse bomb. So right. Yeah, and that's nothing. You shouldn't be near your healer at all times. You know their support because that's what's going to enable you. So if they're you know lane clearing, be with them. Just make sure you're around them. You know as much as you can be, and maybe and and maybe ping your healer to be in the more aggressive spots, so that you know you're enabled and you know you're able to take advantage of that. So basically, you need two heroes. You know. Yeah, <laughs> in, she's when never you're alone. Using a treason. Or right. you need a particular so, well, healer. Also, she can go in a little. Good. I, I do want to say, too, that if you do see a Diablo on the other side, I would highly recommend not going Tracer. Mm. Be- because you're you're when you're a mobile hero, you don't really pay attention to her. Like, you're me- positioning relative to yourself as much because you're just like, I'm annoying little net. I'm going to shoot you with my little pea shooters. And then all of a sudden you're like blinking around, blinking around, and then all of a sudden you're by a wall and Diablo's going to charge you in the face flip you over and then you know by 16 he's gonna flip you back into his team and you know if he does the the q damage build it's gonna do half of your health in one q and you're really not gonna get away from that ever uh especially if the team's on top of it so like be careful with with playing into point click stuns like that yeah point click stun is a good counter to a tracer term is there I'm trying to remember the other hero that may have been a good... Anything that slows also, I think, sometimes offers, mm-hmm. you know, like... So maybe an Arthas, but I wouldn't say Arthas is... Nah, Arthas is a little hard, because that delay on his W is really hard to do. Because mm-hmm. I think she can stay out of auto-attack range. Oh, the range of the w Or the E. Varian, because he could taunt. Yes, the taunt. <laughs> Varian taunt is very strong against her, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also... Uh, I can counter... trace. Like, it's kind of counterintuitive, but you can counter Tracer with a Garage. Because Garage's armor is effective against poke damage, which Tracer is very good at. And basically what happens if a Tracer, uh, like I said, she, she 
that she kind of has, if she's not a skill tracer, she'll lack the awareness of how close she's getting to you. And so as soon as she gets too close to you, you can throw her, and by 16 you have the stun on your throw, and then after that throw, if you throw it right in front of you, you can taunt her. And usually in that about, I think it's like almost two seconds of stun, uh, your team can basically capitalize and kill you. Also works with Genji's as well. So anything that can attack move efficiently, be mindful of your distance from the main tank. Because they will capitalize, if they're paying attention, they can capitalize on it and punish you for being too close. I think another good counter for her is possibly Vol'jin, you know, because he yes, can yeah, slow yeah. her. And, and then, then net, if you go net at, for the 13th. Yeah. yeah, so he can slow her, net her, and then, you know, kill her. Kill her. Guillotine. And then, yeah. <laughs> Maps, yeah, maps. She's she's pretty good on a lot of the maps, right? You know, the the, the cursed hollows, uh, the word junctions, uh, you know, walk sky foundries. You know, it seems like her weaker maps might be things like where it requires wave clear, like Tomb of Spider Queen, Infernal Shrines. You know, those are those two maps might be her weak spot because you know they really you know there's better heroes out there that can wave clear. So, yep. But but it was a good discussion. You know, like I said, I'm glad we got to do it. Um, of course, we had a few more nerfs between the the big discussion we had back in the, I think March April timeframe and now. But um, once again, you know, maybe she'll get some buffs eventually. And then to close out, well, to start the week off this week, we um, we we're we're down to now supports and warriors on Monday. So we have like two more warriors and three or four more supports. So this week we got Lily. Finally, we got Lily. And Lili is, you know, I like Lili. She was one of my favorite supports. And obviously you see her played all the time in silver matches. You know, basically, if you're stuck playing support, people are going to pick Lili. And, um, you know, uh, good discussion. It's been up for a couple of days. It's a little bit long. This one went a little longer than uh, some of the other hero discussions. So it did, you know, it didn't get as much traction on Tuesday as it did on Wednesday. So, um, so at least I think, you know, it's like it got a lot more um, views and things like that. Um, and a general consensus, obviously, is, you know, uh, you take her trait uh, buffs, the good stuff. Um, you know, you you want to try to go uh, jugs when you can, but you can go, um, I think, you know, depending on your hero synergies, like, you know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, hmm, Johanna. I've played against Johanna Lili combos where they both go stun, like you know, dragon, mm-hmm. and they just own teams because basically that, yeah, that dragon, that dragon just slows you so. And then, yeah. what, and then the Johanna just walks up and pulls <laughs> you all together, and then you're just mm-hmm. like, "Yep, and now you're all you slowed." And then you have a Jaina behind him, like you know, just killing everything. Interesting. So, I would not have thought yeah. of that. Yeah. So um, it's like but, a poor yeah. man's earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> but my mind is she's the easiest hero to play. You just put your, yeah. you just lock your Q <laughs> and then run around. I, I don't, uh, I get it. I get there's a need for that kind of hero. It just makes me cringe when I have a, like, you know, someone just picks Lily because mm-hmm. they don't have any other supports or feel comfortable as any of them. You know? I, I tend to only pick her on, um, uh, what is it, uh, Alterac Valley. That's the one place I will pick a Lily. I don't pick her on anything else. I think there's other supports that are better, but I think she provides um, pretty good value on Ultra Rock Valley. Um, 
and that you know just the fighting of that objective and you know blinds are amazing <laughs> so it's like you know the, the combination of the two things that she provides there you know that's why I, that's the one map i'll pick her on you know personally and you know when it came to discussions of the traits i think there's been a bug lately but i like to take a level 20 misweaver but i think there's been a slight bug with that so oh really I, yeah is it overperforming or what's the bug no, no, it's like activation because it's one of those activatable. Uh, oh, okay, talents, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, there's like a slight bug that's causing it to bug out or not fire off correctly and stuff. But <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I think it was a good discussion. Um, you know, please go there and you know uh, participate. I don't really think we have to over discuss it. I, the good thing was is um, there was a Kala video where he goes over community coaching. Um, of a Lili, so I think it's if you're ever just looking to like get the, the ins and outs of how to play Lili, you know, and get a more in depth uh, kind of analysis, Kala will definitely give it to you. The problem is, it takes an hour to watch a Kala video <laughs> 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 to get all the uh, I wish you would just kind of like get the high points, like it's because the he thing streams is, all the time, so everything is long form, yeah. He streams and then he, he basically doesn't watch the video ahead of time. So basically he's discovering it and then he stops, rewinds, and goes over something. So I mean, love the guy, I think he's great, you know, but you have to have patience to watch his videos. <laughs> That's the one thing I've been liking about not paradox. When he does like an analysis, he speeds through it, just like you've been doing. You know, it's like, you know, these are the boring parts. We're gonna cut that, we're gonna edit that yeah, out. Yeah, I try to know? I try to, you know, even though it kind of disrupts the flow of the game a little bit to cut out Parts, I think when I'm not saying anything or there's nothing really happening worth mentioning, I just kind of cut it out because it, yeah. like, it's great to have, like, the full experience, but, you know, if nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Yeah. So, like I said, good, good, good discussion. I don't think there's many insights. You know, yeah. I personally value, when I play Lili, uh, serpents and blinds uh, and, and slows on blinds. That's like my priority. And then I try to rely on um, jugs to kind of fill in the, the fact I'm not taking certain healing talents. And I'm just trying to slow my opponents and I'm like, I like to use the serpent as kind of a heal over time you know, on my, my, uh, my, my, my allies, you know, and because it like for all the damage, when you get to level 16, you take the, um, the ability to, when the serpent damages, it, it's, it's like a little hot. So, right, yeah. and of course you're just encouraging auto attackers because that's what you, that's, that's what empowers the Lili is their auto attackers. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so anyway, it's still, she's still viable. She's very viable in Hero League, not in HTC. It's like, there's nope. like two, there's like two people that played her. <laughs> it's because you have so. no, it's hard to have selectivity on your heels. Yeah. Like it's obviously doable, but since you don't have the ability to, to actively choose, she loses um, usability because she can be punished. And I think there's just better, better. Yeah. I mean, obviously there. there's better options too. Yeah. You can go back and look at that man efficiency chart and stuff like that and figure out why she's mm -hmm. not the best. Yeah. Even though you may think otherwise. <laughs> Guess what? How long we were recording? Just so you know. Hour and a half. <laughs> Hour and forty minutes. <laughs> Jesus. I know. Poor people. We're we're at the end. So tomorrow's here discussions can be on Vala. So look forward to that. And next week it'll be a tank, probably stitches. I think. Nice. So. That'll be a good one. Well, that's pretty much well. I have to say this week. Sweet. What about you? No, I think we killed what we had to say. Once we, once we stop once we stop talking about wow in the the first 20 minutes
It'll it'll shorten this time. <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should probably edit that part of it out. But I, maybe I will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's good. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that are in our same boat. That's why I talk about it. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, people are, are trying to balance well with Heroes of the Storm. You know, and I think one of the things that also is probably attracting people to play. Uh, while a little bit more than heroes is PVP is a little bit more interesting in WoW this time, you know. Absolutely. But, and I think that's like that's drawing because while you know while less formulaic um, than uh, here's the storm, you know. So there's there's world PVP now. There's arenas. There's battlegrounds. There's you know flagging yourself. There's and, a lot you know, of stuff. You know, there's just so much yeah. content in in WoW this time around, which is weird. Like there's always a lot, yeah, but. But the PvP is becoming a way you can gear yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's attracting, you know, I mean, there's a lot of cosmetics too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why some people have probably dropped in and started playing WoW again. You know, the PvC, PC, PvP scene in WoW was terrible. Battlegrounds are horrible, you yeah. know. Yeah, so. I, I personally like PvP the most. Yeah. Well, there's there's a reason probably. <laughs> My, it's funny, like, it's weird to say this, but when I... I get better at heroes when I play more WoW PvP, just from a pacing standpoint, because WoW you're constantly spamming buttons and you know doing mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. Where in heroes you have to be much more deliberate in how you use stuff, but right. the time frame is roughly the same in like reaction time. Mm-hmm. So like when you're when you're constantly practicing at that in the higher speed, you know keys per minute style you, you you get a lot more you know practice reacting in a, in a in a very you know quick setting whereas heroes you have to react in this moment right now and then you die you know <laughs> well the one thing i think it changed in here in um wow pvp i think there was also spamming you know now we have the global cooldowns yeah there's so. a lot of just pop all your cooldowns and then spam all your stuff and then you'll kill somebody I mean, right. I did. I know I did that on my DK. Like, no, no problem. <laughs> like, yeah, it it feels you have to be way more deliberate in how you do stuff. And then, of course, it's the the it's the first person or third person point of view versus the top down view that we get in here as the storm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's, I think here's is way more tactical and positioning. Absolutely. And what and wow, you have to know where to stand. You have to know where that yeah, is. Yeah, everything's you know, targeted you know. too, and. I think there's a lot more balancing that takes longer to see because like, like this week was our first round of balancing. So you're kind of starting to see like what's overpowered and what's not. And I think in PVP, you see what's overpowered faster, right? Cause like on a DPS, yeah. Like on a DPS meter, you're fine. Like for bosses, like you're like, yeah, that guy gets overpowered. Awesome. Like I'm glad we have him in our group, but like Mm -hmm. in PVP, when you have like, hunters that are just destroying people you're like why like i don't get it like <laughs> i just feel like the balance the way they balance sometimes and wow i just feel like it kicks people in the crotch half yes. the time because like you know you level up a hunter you've done the research hunters are good i'm investing in a hunter oh look i got a 10 percent nerf from my damage right. now i'm just crap and i had a friend of mine especially and this really affects you in pve you know, yeah, I think it has more repercussions um, in PvP or PvE. Sorry, 
Yeah. And I have friends like, you know, he, he'll be like playing his monk, happy with his monk, and then nerf monks, you know, mm-hmm. windwalkers doing too much damage. And then this week, so healers got the nerfs. Like, um, Disc Priest got Smite nerfed, uh, Holy got nerfed. Um, they did buff like uh, uh, Paladins and, um, uh, uh, what's it? Paladins and Shamans got a little bit of a buff because they've been kind of teetering towards the bottom of the charts. Of course, I picked Mistweaver, so I'm, I, I was sweet. Nothing nothing happened to me. <laughs> but in my raid, the, the Disc Priests are doing more damage. When Even when I'm fist weaving, they're doing more damage than me. So mm-hmm. maybe, maybe it's because they can focus a bit more where I have to punch, 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 and then I blackout kick, punch, 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 blackout kick. You know, maybe Rising Sun kick to get an extra bonus heal. But yeah. Um, yeah, but I did uh, the first four bosses. I did um, piss weaving, you know, which is the That's punch, cool. punch, punch, punch. Yeah, and then you heal a little bit, you know, and yeah. then you, you just cast your AOEs. The the reason why you do fist weaving is you want to be in melee range, so you keep, basically you're in the the group two usually with the melee and the tanks, and you put your renewing mist out, and then you're kind of relying on your punching to keep uh, kind of healing people and then regenerating mana. So oh, that's cool. The th- so in long fights, it's good because you're you know, if as long as there's as long as there's ads and things for you to punch, you will do okay and you will have a pretty healthy mana pool throughout the fight. So on the Vectus fight, we were all the healers were down to their fumes basically, and we, yeah. <laughs> but no one died. No, that was kind of cool. Maybe one person did die, but yeah. So, but we also been running uh, eleven to thirteen players. You know, we haven't been doing. Oh wow, like you have 30. a smaller raid than most people. Yeah. Well, I mean, for normals, I think it's pretty, pretty okay. I think once our gear is pretty high, like we're like 670s and stuff, yeah. or 370s, we might be able to do heroic in that same kind of vein. I think if you try to go in uh, heroic mode with 350, you're going to get, it's, you know, you're going to get your butt kicked. So. Well, anyway, that's pretty much our show. We, we started with WoW, we ended with WoW. It's a Heroes in the Storm podcast, everyone. So thanks for tuning in. With, with WoW on the ins and outs. <laughs> it's like an Oreo it's a wow Oreo sandwich right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright everybody that'll be it for this week Till next thanks time. for tuning in <laughs>